Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. We got a lot to get to today, but can we just for a minute talk about that intro? Yeah, it's very, very important because the White House obviously didn't want to clarify and what they mean by that number. They mean 0% growth month to month. It's a little asterisk thing. They're like, so inflation is, is very high. It's Inflation is 8.5%. It's up July over the course of one year. But they're claiming, oh, listen, it didn't get any higher. It's staying super high. Right. <laughs> and they're taking a victory lap on that. Right. It's it, like if, you, if you're like in the hospital with a fucking fever that's like 110 degrees and the doctor comes in and he's like, okay, still 110. They all start high-fiving. Right. <laughs> like, what? That's not a win. It's like, it's like your house burned down. They're like, congratulations, the fire is out. <laughs> <laughs> you took it right down to the studs. Look at this great work we did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't even want to begin with this idiot. I mean, these people are so dishonest. So dishonest. <laughs> and I'm, cur- I'm curious, like, you remember back a couple of months ago, there was a sort of White House process story about, you know, Biden is angry that his staffers are sort of cleaning up his remarks so, so yeah. frequently because they think it undermines him and makes him look weak. I'm curious if they do that anymore, if they tell him, if if he knows, if this dementia-riddled old man knows how wrong he is, how frequently he is wrong. Well, there's an interesting subplot to that that I'm glad you brought up because I noticed in, in it was in one of the rags, it's like Politico Afternoon or something like that, that Neera Tandon is taking oh my God. a lead role. You notice you don't hear anything about this lady until something like, quote unquote, good happens to the White House, and then all of a sudden she puts her I head I wonder up. who plants these stories. Yeah, and oh. she's like, oh, I'm responsible for all that. Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, she the story was basically that she's taking a lead role in ensuring the information that the president gets, angering some staffers. Uh-huh. But I think it goes to your point is like, uh, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe she's like sharing some things and not others and... Well, she is an expert at disinformation. She is, and yeah. she and she's really good at feathering her own nest. That's right. Which it appears like she's at both in spades right now. So then, yeah. if he executes the talking point, she gives him a Werther's as a treat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she's fa- she's the Biden whisperer. You just got to give him a Werther's; he'll do anything. And he eats it like a Pez dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, like it a bit like a baby bird in your hand. <laughs> nom 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 nom. Uh, Okay, we got a lot to get to, uh, clearly with a ton to get to. We have a great, great guest, Senator Tim Scott. You've heard him before on the program. He came in studio today. Uh, you're going to love that he's talking about his new book and a whole bunch else. Uh, we got that on the way towards the end. But at first, let's just start with the inflation, yep. fellas. So what happened was the news that came out yesterday that U.S. inflation, the way the media characterizes it, it slows. Or, or CNN said uh, took a breather. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The bottom line is it's still a eight point five percent inflation mark over the past year. Um, that doesn't sound like a breather it's, to me. It's, it's not a breather. A breather would be like inflation starting to get cut in a meaningful way. 
to me, that's what would what would be important. Right, is, we're still at a forty year high. That's the, that's a problem. Is it's like I said, it's like you have a fever of one hundred ten degrees, and then an hour <laughs> later, the doctor rolls up and says it's still one hundred ten, and everyone starts throwing confetti. Like this is not a reason to celebrate. If and, and it's important, you look at these numbers more closely. So this is price increases over the last year. Fuel oil is up seventy five point six percent. Gasoline's up forty four percent. Gas utilities up thirty point five percent. Electricity up fifteen percent. Food at home up thirteen percent. Uh, overall CPI, like we said, uh, up 8.5%. So, like, this whole zero number that they're trying to push is so absurd. And 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 to me, it's out of it's two things. They're, number one, they're trying to gaslight the American public into not not don't believe your lying eyes kind of right. situation. Like, yes, we know everything is more expensive and more difficult for you, but you know we've already changed the definition of a recession, and now we're going to say zero <laughs> percent, even though it's it remains at a 40-year high. Um, but oh, also, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, 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 also, by the way, um, fuel oil, gasoline, gas utilities, electricity. Congratulations. We just passed a bill that's going to make all that stuff even more expensive. Even worse, <laughs> right? But like, and at no point is anybody fusing these two things together, right? They're changing the definition of a recession. Well, what is a recession, right? A recession is a slowdown of economic growth. It means you don't consume as much stuff. People aren't paying for things. People aren't you know right. selling things i mean that's like gdp in mass is what it's about okay if you're not buying things how is it that prices are not going down right i mean what's not factored in in anything that these guys are talking about is that they've killed the economy which is of course you're going to have some relief in inflation if nobody's buying anything that's the right. thing is is demand is dropping because no one can afford anything and then what ends up happening is then you have stores who are already, you know, these companies are sitting on tons of inventory because right now consumers are just like besides themselves trying to figure out how to get by. So if people aren't buying anything and inventories keep piling up, well, they're going to start firing people. And you're already starting to see layoffs. And in a lot of companies, they're, they're dipping the water, seeing like, are we getting any signs of a recovery? And it's becoming clear to them that this administration just absolutely does not care to help any sort of a business, small business or otherwise, they're basically just trying to unleash the IRS on them now. Well, and you, and you, and you see the other side of this, too, is, you know, if demand does dip, um, you know, as inflation is still so high, you look at also the the credit situation, the, the amount of credit card debt that Correct. the American people yeah. have gobbled up in the last few months. That doesn't look so great. Yeah. Because you get into a situation great. where even if prices went down... With 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 you know so much credit card debt, so much debt piled up, you end up in a credit crunch like oh wait, and then lending slows down, and then you got real big problem. Everything you guys just described is the reality people are facing, and the reason why Joe Biden's approval is in the shitter is because he goes out and says things like, "Oh, we had zero percent inflation in the month of July." If you ask normal people, they don't think eight and a half percent is the accurate number because when they think inflation, they think grocery store exactly they think like this egg prices number egg prices in america jumped 47 percent. so when they think inflation they think how it affects them on a daily basis they think it's higher than eight and a half percent certainly not zero and it's no wonder why biden's numbers are in the tank there was this really great uh, great tweet from uh, jackie kotkowitz she's the director of policy research uh, at the rnc 
uh, where she just highlighted, these are key numbers. It's another month of high inflation under Biden. Overall CPI, like we said, 8.5% since last year. We already went over gas, fuel, meat, poultry, and fish up 9.3%, milk up 15%, eggs, like you mentioned, Ashbrook, 38%, baby food, 15%, coffee, 20%, public transportation, 20%, airline fares, 27.7%. But this is the real kicker, real average hourly earnings, down three percent. Oh man, so it's, it's the worst it's, case scenario. It's a, it's a double whammy. You're 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 you get earned, on both ends. Your wages are worth less, and everything costs more. And they are trying to spike the football on this like zero percent number. It's the paint shaker. It's a, it is the paint shaker. I mean, even frozen foods. People where people turn when they can't afford mm-hmm. fresh food. They frozen meals are up twenty three percent. Oh my gosh! Well, so there's this piece in the Washington Post that I, I don't normally uh, suggest reading, but today it had some interesting stuff. It, it was food prices are still rising, and here's how Americans are coping. Here are just like a few of the quotes out of this. I can't afford to drive my car to visit my kids, which is particularly <sighs> stinging because we just spent two years where the bureaucrats told us we weren't allowed to leave our houses and visit our family members. Now that people are allowed to leave their houses, they can't afford to do it. Now I don't do the wants. It's more of what we need. Jeez. I'm jeopardizing some of my future. <sighs> That's the credit thing that you're talking yes. about. Yes. I've cut down on the size of my meals. Yikes. This is America, you guys. This is America. Like, that's that's what's happening here, and this asshole has the audacity to roll, roll out and pat himself on the back? Do, uh, Ron Klain tweeted today, jobs up and inflation down, wages up and gas prices it's down. It's a lie. Just a and fucking that is, lie. That's a straight up lie. Just a world-class idiot. And, yeah, I mean, this Biden administration has, like, none of the, like, Clinton-esque... Like I feel your pain. They have none of that. They have none of that touch. No, you're right. None of that. There's touch. this. There's this. Go buy. Go buy an electric car. And and I saw this article today saying that like the the like you know massive spend bill that they're like oh this is a, a great bill. It's a green bill. It's going to help people afford electric cars. It doesn't affect any electric cars. Pretty much any on the market. And and they're actually telling people buy your car today before the price goes up because all electric cars are now going to get more expensive. So this yeah, bill right. just makes everything more expensive. Now that's more expensive. Adds to inflation and sends an army of IRS agents to go after mom and pop shops. It's unbelievable. One of the reasons why inflation didn't jump even higher, which anybody who's been in politics for like two minutes realizes this because every election season, gas prices go through a summer jump. That's what, that, they change the mixture of the fuel. And what happens in the, in the summer driving season is that prices tend to increase. I don't know what the percentage is, but it, like if memory serves, it's like 25% or something like that in the neighborhood of what they were during the winter. Yeah. Right? That's just like that happens every year. The difference is, is when they happen this year, it happened on top of $5 gasoline. Right. Yeah. Right? So it goes up. The reason that inflation numbers overall aren't even higher than they were last month is because the summer driving season has come to the end and those natural dip that you see in that whatever it is, 25% increase is already hit, mm-hmm. right? So that's coming down. Nothing about the stability of gas prices at all have changed one iota. Food prices, as we just mentioned, haven't changed one iota, nor have consumer goods. It's the natural deal right. that you have every summer that it it is responsible for no change, basically, in the horrible inflation we have. That's like... You have to be a sinister son of a bitch to pat yourself on the back for driving down gas prices after a time cyclically you know they come down. <laughs> well, that's what I love about this is that nothing is their responsibility when you know everything's going up, but they'll take credit for a cyclical move in gas prices. It was Putin, right? Right. Well, I guess Putin's uh, taking it easy on yeah. Ukraine yeah, now. Is that right. what's happening? <laughs> 
<laughs> Unbelievable, right? These people. These people are so dishonest. Um, all right, let's get into some fun stuff, right? Yes. Uh, move over, Hank the Tank. There's a new infamous bear in the woods. Wow. Mm. I don't know if Hank's going to take kindly to this, but this is according to the Charlotte Observer. A bear who broke into 11 homes in search of food was relocated and released on July 30 in the Colorado wilderness, uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife said in a tweet. The bear was a two and a half year old female, been seen uh, in, in a video bounding out of a bear trap and into trees. Uh, officials said they got they uh, had gotten the bear in a beehive earlier that day, and the agency had also received reports of a bear breaking into bird feeders and all the like. So here's what they don't understand: this guy works for Hank. <laughs> I'm, I, here's the thing: I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure because one of the things that we all learned by watching The Godfather is that there are many families out there. There are <laughs> you multiple. Think so? There's the Corleones, and then there are other families. <laughs> and I think that we were. we're we're just discovering a similar setup with bears around the country. You're going to end up with parakeets around your home here tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hank. Hank is not going to like that one bit. There, this, this. Uh, he, he might not. He might not. But you know, in the same way, the same same thing we saw with like John Gotti. John Gotti got a lot of publicity. The other families didn't really like that. The Columbos. Mm. The other families didn't like that. So this Hank is, the this Tank is actually a pretty valid point. Hank Hank might be the John Gotti of their. Of well, their I don't know. Society. Here, let me tie the knot because this is in the article. Okay. Like the like the various bears mistaken for Hank the Tank, a bear who gained national attention for rummaging through homes in South Lake Tahoe looking for food. The bear CPW officials released uh, is a black bear. The station reported. I think they're all tied together, mm. and I think what we learned about Hank, the reason they couldn't run him down is because he had 11 different bears doing the work for him. So Remember? This, you think this bear's a capo? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question about it. That's the way it works. Well, we're going to get into the monkeys later. And, and but that's an important an important distinction we can take away with Hank. You think the monkeys are working for Hank too or you I think, think it's an arrived? open no question? Chance. No chance. I think no it's chance. an open I, question. I think it's an open I question. I can't wait to the monkey news cuz cuz I had a lot to weigh in on that one. But Folks will have to wait for that. Yeah, no. So now we got to get to the raid, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted us to do a special episode. We really wanted to do one yesterday. Unfortunately, we still do have day jobs. Uh, anybody who wants to hand us uh, uh, a sack of cash that relieves <laughs> of, of those responsibilities, we're more than willing to, to take offers. But we still have a day job to do, so we had to we had to wait till today. It makes it no less significant, in large part because we still don't have any official guidance about what in the hell the FBI was doing raiding Mar-a-Lago. And, and the thing is that as time passes and like more bits of information trickle out, it just makes it look worse, worse. and worse and worse. They're like rifling through Melania's clothes. It's like, what, what, what the hell are they looking for? What the hell are they looking for? I mean, it looks to me like a fishing expedition. Yeah. Right? That they may have gotten a warrant on Presidential Records Act or classified materials which look by letter of the law you can get a warrant from a judge to do something like that because it is against the law now typically in every single occasion we're not just presidents we're talking about secretaries of state in the case of hillary clinton Mm -hmm. sandy Berger, uh back in the 90s the way that that is handled is through attorneys private conversations negotiations and ultimately resolution what you don't do, which is an absolute unprecedented move in the history of this country, 
is sing, is send hot FBI cars into a former president's home and start rubbinging around. And going ham. Like, they were demanding that, like, Mar-a-Lago turn off all their security cameras. It's like, what the hell are these people trying to accomplish here? Like, they're like, oh, we don't want anyone to see what we're going to do. And they spent, like, nine hours. Nine hours? If, well, you, if you've got, like, a team of people out there for nine hours? And, and to Holmes's point, and I, I think I remember that from some of this from the reporting, is that there previously was a meeting at Mar-a-Lago, or at least with Trump's lawyers. They had a meeting in July. It was know, a part of the sort of TikTok. Right, right. And so they had, had discussions right, going. Right, But again, okay, say those discussions didn't go the way they wanted them to go. You, you don't have an option if you're DOJ to just like light the fuse and go after a former president who happens to be a political opponent of the current president and maybe future political opponent. And then in the broader context, think about like what's happened at the FBI over the past four or five years. Which Grassley led us into two weeks ago, Right which now is extremely prescient, right? Recall in the Senator Grassley interview that we had him on a week ago, he talked about how he sent Director Ray a letter saying that he had whistleblowers within the FBI who were alleging that various members of the FBI conducted what they viewed as incredibly partisan investigations mm -hmm. and then suppressed investigations that would have been difficult for the current administration. Oh, but this, can't, Hunter Biden. this can't be partisan. A judge signed it off on this. And it's like, where the fuck were you guys when they did this FISA warrants? The FISA warrants where they manufactured the evidence against Carter Page. Like, we have seen malfeasance at the FBI for years. And so, like, the idea that they would do this raid and give us no clarification. Because what I read in the Washington Post is they took a napkin and a dinner menu. Like, if that's it, if they don't have something, they need to tell us what the fuck they were well, there they for. Well, they have an obligation here. Because it's not. this is not Roger Stone's home. Right. Right? Th this is a, a, a former president of the United States yep. who's still in the game, who is very much talked about as being a future candidate for president of the United States, running against the sitting president whose administration is conducting this raid. That is the most un-American thing that I can ever even fathom happening in this country. It's as a reason why it never has. It didn't happen to Dick Nixon. It didn't happen to it didn't happen to any of the incredible malfeasance you've seen in the history of this country and for one reason. Because you tear this country apart if you have a even an inkling of belief that the administration of a sitting president is conducting business entirely in a partisan fashion. And the thing is, is that a great example of this is so the Justice Department where Merrick Garland, you know, this is this is Biden's Justice Department with Merrick Garland calling the shots. He clearly, you know, if there's something like this happening, it's passing his desk. Has to. And this is Merrick Garland who labeled parents uh, who would show up to school meetings as domestic terrorists. Right. right. This guy let, let mobs outside the houses of Supreme Court justices after a Dem tried killing Kavanaugh, right? After he, he lets the mobs continue, which is against the law. You can't let that happen. Putting more lives at risk. I mean, this is a completely partisan attorney general. This guy, he has well, no business your, in that job. Your point is a really good one because I don't doubt that there are cowboys out there at the FBI who see black letter of law, a, a referral from the presidential archives for a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, go seek a warrant. I, I don't doubt that there are people, that's the way that many of them, even some good operators operate, but their job is not to look at the larger picture. Mm -hmm. When it gets to the larger pictures, when they go to Maine Justice and they talk to the deputies 
and then ultimately the attorney general because you have to green light something like that, right? right? And remember, there has, we've learned a lot about this in 2016 with Comey and everything else. Typically, there is a 100-day, 90-day, 100-day window in an election cycle where anything that could be perceived as politically sensitive one way or another right. is put on ice. Right. Because of this reason, you do not want the Department of Justice involved in a partisan witch hunt in any form or fashion. But to your point, for a guy who has a bad record at this point of labeling ter parents terrorists and mm -hmm. things like that, to get this warrant, take a look at it, and green light that thing, I don't understand. I mean, either... He and, and the thing is, is that you look at the history. So, like, he, Merrick Garland has an insane chip on his shoulder, right? He thought he was going to become a Supreme Court justice, and then Trump nominated someone else. So you can see how this guy's got, like, a problem. He's like, oh, my God, I get the chance to, you know, ruin this guy's life? Yeah, I'm for it. I'm going to send, you know, an FBI SWAT team to tear apart his house and go through his wife's stuff. Sounds like a great idea. I mean, it's no more extreme than what he's already been doing when he's at the Justice <laughs> if Department. If that's the way this guy operates, McConnell ought to leave a key in the door and the uh, drawers open for the FBI because they're coming for him. It's yeah. unbelievable. Well, so so let me play devil's advocate here and, and give you guys like a, a theory that I think might be possible as well. What if this is more ho hum than we think? Not, not, not like they didn't. You know, they're not. They're not going to find any crazy classified information or anything. But ho hum in the sense that, like, what if it wasn't a full raid? Because I, I guess what I'm getting at here is you've got uh, two groups. You've got the media that's been going after Donald Trump with Russia Gate since 2016. Um, who have been saying, you know, TikTok, it's Mueller time. The walls are closing in. They have a vested interest, an economic interest, an interest for clicks and attention to make the biggest deal out of this as possible. Donald Trump does as well, right? Yeah. Because it allows him to continue his fight against the deep state, the FBI, the Biden administration. So is it possible that this is more ho-hum than the media would want you to believe or Trump would want well, you to the, believe because, I don't, I don't, because it benefits everybody. I, I, like, dude, like, think about it. Trump is getting the attention that he wants and the media is getting the attention that they want. And they can say, they can say for a couple more months, TikTok, the walls are closing in, Trump's going to prison. You the, see what I'm saying? When the FBI is there for nine hours, rifling through his stuff, breaking open a safe, that sounds like a raid to me. Yeah. That sounds like a raid to me. Well, but not only that, Look, I just get back and look, I know this sounds a little Pollyannish, but your job at the Department of Justice is to avoid the circumstance you just explained. Right. You know you're playing with loaded weapons here because right. you've got a, a former president who you know will take advantage of every single thing that you are trying to do in one form or fashion. You know the political ramifications of what you're intending to do here. To ignore the political ramifications is a dereliction far beyond anything that they could have found in that house. Because it sends a message to the American people, at least half of which, 70 million people across this country, believe that the Biden administration is executing a partisan witch hunt against a former president. Right. If, if your goal is justice here, which it should be if it's the name on your building, you will never get it now. You will never get it. There's no way that anyone believes anything that these guys come up with after doing something like this without explanation. Yeah. There's just there's just no way. And you don't have to be a fucking rocket scientist to figure that out. Look at look at the last 5 years of American history. Look how these guys how the political opponents of Donald Trump have handled themselves and look at what you found out afterwards. 
about how they're just full of shit, right. how they've made up facts out of thin air, how they've allowed foreign dossiers paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign to change the trajectory of history in this country and focus the entire Department of Justice on a, a lie. There's yeah. like half right? the country who to this day believes Russia stole an election. They believe that. Because it was fabricated by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the FBI helped them disseminate this absolute lie. And I, we've now seen it's proven to be a complete lie, but half this country's been gaslit. I guess what I'm saying is like the thing that gives me pause is all of that. Like what we know about this now is from the same media that talked about Russiagate for four years that lied about everything that built up all of these things saying that Trump was going to prison like they have a vested interest in making the oh, biggest sure. deal no about question. this as possible and so like we need the Justice Department to fucking say something like we have to you gotta you gotta have something now the only Machiavellian theory that I can get behind is that they in the Biden administration believe that elevating Donald Trump beyond all elevation is good for them politically that's the only thing that I could get behind that's a truly a Machiavellian theory because there's no question what this, the result of this is. The former president is very much a player in Republican politics. Right. In terms of national politics, he hasn't had a central relevance piece to everything that's been going on in this country for the last year and a half until Monday. Right. And on Monday, he's now smack dab in the middle of of American discourse for the first time since January of 2021. If their goal was to try to somehow diminish Donald Trump, they did the exact opposite. Yep, right, right. Well, I mean, they impeached Donald Trump for a phone call to Ukraine. I mean, if, if what you are suggesting is something that was actually done by the Biden administration, I mean, it's impeachable by, at, at the highest level. Totally. 100%. Totally. But I think that there, I mean, there are real things that need to be figured out here. This is not... To cross that lexicon and try to pretend like you got a Joe Friday routine, just the facts, ma'am, is unfathomable to anyone who's ever held that job. I'd love to know what Bill Barr thinks of this. Yeah. I bet he's. I bet. I bet Bill Barr thinks that's, that's the question. absolute worst thing that's ever happened because he knows. I guarantee you, at his desk on frequent occasions, were decisions like this. The other day, Stephen Miller made this really great point where he said that. What this shows the necessity for is Republicans getting a huge majority in the House and absolutely cleaning house when it comes to the FBI, the Justice Department. There needs to be a top-to-bottom thorough investigation of what this administrative state has become. Of, of, of It's very clear now how politicized the FBI has become, how little faith the American people now have in that institution where you know we heard FBI agents— uh, on, being on the record saying that, oh yeah, we got to stop Donald Trump and suffering zero consequences. For well, it. so and, and that's that's the problem, Smug. Is like you can clean house as much as you want, but unless there's consequences for the people who did the wrong in the first place, yep. then like the ne what's going to stop the next guy yeah. from doing the same thing? It's like I'm all for clearing out the bureaucracy, and I think it's an important goal. But the consequences for the people who already screwed it up is the best incentive structure to change for the next guy. And for the, to say there are going to be consequences when you screw things up. And for the past X number of years, the incentive has been completely backwards, where it's like if you do the most politicized, in essence, anti-American thing, you're going to get a book deal. You're going to get a book deal, right? You're, you're going to get, get a, TV a spot contract. on MSNBC. Yeah, they're going to put you on TV. We have all these fucking CNN. intel officers on there every single night talking about how things you know, should be. And it's like, 
you're leveraging the impression the American people have that you have access to sensitive information when you're just fucking winging it. He's you're really winging it. And 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 they, and they got all these book deals off of being like, here's how Russia took over America. Just and ridiculous. you find out it was all a lie, all a lie, total lie. But they still have all that money, and they're still ending up on TV. And That's it, what their incentive was. It, right. it also goes a level deeper with the actual prosecutions, right? Like Steve Bannon. I'm no fan of Steve Bannon, right? I think Steve Bannon did President Trump an incredible disservice in many, many, many ways. I am not on his fan club. But for him to be prosecuted for contempt of Congress and convicted, but none of these clowns, Clapper, Eric Holder, Eric Holder even that the porn lawyer. Right. Yeah. Right? All of those people had criminal referrals by the House of Representatives or the United States Senate to the Department of Justice and nothing was done with it. Yeah, where's Julie Swetnick? Where is she? You know, she was on national television saying that that Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, was doing gang rapes. Yeah. Yeah. Gang rapist. Gang rapes. And the porn lawyer, like, he's been convicted for something he did to Nike. Shook down Nike or whatever. (laughs) Incredible. Except for he sat on the national stage uh, in one of the most important moments that you can have in a government of a country in the appointment of a Supreme Court justice and outright lied to that committee, to the American people, and had everyone believing that Justice Kavanaugh was a gang rapist. I mean, and that will where come. the fuck is the justice in that? How, well, how in the world is that not prosecuted? I'll tell you, the other thing that they did to Steve Bannon was set a precedent. And when Jim Jordan gets a yep. gavel exactly. and Let's he starts go. asking questions, this administration better show up or they're in contempt of Congress. Yes. And we all know what the consequences are to that. Yeah, you, you heard Kevin McCarthy, I thought was a great Very initial good. reaction, which yeah. is preserve your documents and clear your calendar. Yeah. That is pretty hardcore. Yeah. You know what's coming after that, yeah. right? Yeah, anyway, look, we're going to keep an eye on this. We're going to keep walking through facts as we get them. But it is a incredibly troubling precedent. I don't think that even Democrats, actually I shouldn't say that because I have no faith in any Democrat in the world anymore. But I don't think anybody who's fair-minded at all thinks that what we just saw is either appropriate or should have been done in any form or fashion. Yeah. Right? And it certainly requires explanation. I mean, you see year after year polling of how Americans continue to lose faith in institutions and the media, and this is just more fuel on the fire of that. Totally. Uh, Do you guys see the machinations of Stelter the Potato lately? No. No. What's he doing? Well, so— He still has a job? He still has a job. He still has a job. But then we've talked about this, right? The new the new CNN brass came in and said, you just got to report news. Yeah, then, real performance review. Yeah, <laughs> and it, well, they promptly just took the, the Jan 6 hearings live and yeah. commented on it for yeah. like three weeks. I don't know exactly how that squares with what they wanted to do, but Stelter's fighting for his gig, guys. Yeah. He's fighting for his gig. <laughs> so uh, Fox News did this great write-up. Uh, Stelter's flip-flop on Hunter Biden is seen as desperate attempt to keep that paycheck critics say cnn pundit previously claimed hunter biden's scandal was an example of the right-wing smear machine now cnn's brian stelter pivoted on sunday when he declared hunter biden's scandal isn't just some right-wing media story unbelievable after previously calling this story a classic example of right-wing media machine right <laughs> i mean this brings up a lot of like interesting things like <clears throat> even beyond just the level of like okay we all have known stelter has zero integrity the guy will do anything literally for a paycheck, and now he's fighting for his life, like we said. But also, I've seen some people murmuring about this of, like, is the Democrat Party kind of done with Joe Biden? 
Like yeah. you, you've seen how many times they interview a, a Democrat member of the House or the Senate, and they're like, "Would you support Joe Biden running?" Uh, in 2024 and the fact that they're even asking it is very telling and the fact that you get such a like mixed response yeah. from these people is telling and now that is the media also aboard a, a with this idea of like okay it's it we can dump joe time to send him to the retirement home you know we're over it let's bring in you know shit they don't want kamala but they're like, let's bring in somebody <laughs> dude dude the bench on, isn't great on cnn last week uh carolyn maloney had to do a huge cleanup job huge. that was, where yeah on, on biden running again that was unbelievable did you, she she looked hostage to, video. Ca- to camera yeah, yeah. it was just like a struggle session Un- i couldn't believe what i couldn't believe my eyes. Like, yes sir mr president if you hear this if you still are in control of all of your faculties i do <laughs> i do want you to run for president please i i'm sorry well, well, imagine the, doing that she's, yeah. she's in the same situation as delta where she's fighting for her paycheck because she got redistricted into what's his name on the west side uh, big Jer- boy, Jerry Nadler. Yeah, Jerry Nadler. Now she's having to fight Jerry Nadler. When oh she's, no! Like, th- hope for, it's not a wrestling match. Like, wait, hold <laughs> yeah, on. Is no. that not a primary? It, it, it's a primary fight. So wait, when when do they have that? Well, typically in September. Like New York. It's, what it's, a horrible. We talk system. about the whole incumbency thing, right? Of yeah. Like, yeah. New York Dems want to make sure that like any challenger has zero chance, yeah. so they make the primaries in September. What a racket! So you have like. 60 days, less than 60 days to try and put up a campaign in the general. Right? Nadler and Maloney, like in that race, you just root for injuries, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, imagine if those are your choices. Yeah. Oh my I mean, God. And, and this has been like such a like absolutely dirty race. Like Maloney's made so many horrible gaps. The shit she said of like, she's cheeks Nadler trying to play the Jewish card and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> she's really fighting for her life and just like her brain is completely off the rails at this point. And so like she says, point blank, she's like, no, I don't want Joe Biden to run. And then clearly they called her and they're like, you want Joe to do a fundraiser with Jerry? And yeah. She's like looks into the camera, please forgive me. <laughs> God, it's amazing, right? Yeah, no, these people are finding uh, religion here within themselves. It's just unbelievable. Um, one thing I want to hit, because it's Italian, so I figured... Oh, you, are we going to do more anti-Italian? No, that's not what I... I try to clean it up. These two maniacs. Ashbrook and Smug. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, oh, it's offensive. The Italian Anti-Defamation League has been all over you guys. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance to make it right. Is this the top 10 places to find garlic bread? <laughs> Well, tell, if the oh, Italian American <laughs> Defamation League has a problem, they can sponsor our show. I mean, if they, <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's their it, first choice. If anyone can understand a shakedown racket, it'd be them, right? Oh, <laughs> my God. Unbelievable. That's not the Costa Nostra. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm sorry I brought it up, honestly. Uh, no, so Italy basically threw dominoes out of the country. Uh, there's a story in the Washington Examiner about how dominoes which obviously serves like football pizza, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very... That's a great... That's the best it's description a, I've a, ever heard of Domino's. That is a great It's football pizza. <laughs> it's football pizza. I mean, that's what you order when you got like the fellas Completely over. Completely nailed it. Smashing pieces of pizza. Like you don't even taste it. You just throw it down your throat. Well, that's what they do. And apparently the Italians who uh, I think take great pride in their pizza, they should, um, don't care for this American style. And it basically threw the, threw the uh, entire franchise out of italy yeah it says the last uh u.s chain uh pizza chain domino's closed its last store in italy uh apparently they had 29 branches and and we're planning on putting 880 locations in italy but like they gave it the boot can we, 
Jesus. After all we've done for them. And you know what? You know what else? They, they treat it like Sicily. I want to. I, I, I want to. You know, touch on something Holmes mentioned, where he was like, "Well, the Italian people didn't put up with this pizza because you know Italian pizza is great. It's not." <laughs> I'll tell you this. Jesus, Here's this is another example pizza? of America making things better. Honestly, a smug. I 100% agree American with you. And I'm going to I'm going to join Italy's. you in this anti-Italian bigotry. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's absurd. These people are so smug and so arrogant they about their food, and they think God. they own everything. They it's do. absolutely ridiculous. They do. We should go back, claw back every hamburger floating around Europe right now, because they, they're doing it wrong. I mean, here's Have you had a hamburger in Europe? They're fucking terrible. Terrible. <laughs> they are terrible. <laughs> terrible. They. I mean, a lot of places refuse to use 100% real ground beef. They're like mixing in like pigeons. They're like pork. <laughs> no, pork and stuff. And like we don't come to them and say, oh, you make hamburgers wrong. No, we're like, yeah, we'll export more of America. Congratulations. Enjoy. It might not be as good as us, but I'm, we're glad you're eating your hamburgers. We make a pizza they don't like and they freak out. It's it's, it's absurd. So, well, I mean, like, <laughs> and, and you're also right. They're not that good. They're not that like, good. Like you had like a margarita pizza from Italy. It's, fu- it's fine. It's the, good. It's the, interesting. The Italian concept of pizza is like, what if we put sauce on bread it's like everyone has tried that bro. And here's like a, you're here's not dollop- magical america actually creates the true pizza here's a we dollop put of cheese, cheese on there you know we put toppings on yeah there. like a brooklyn slice i would take a thousand percent over something over from anywhere italy. in italy yes anywhere in italy anywhere do you guys have thoughts on spaghetti no i, I mean this is just pizza <laughs> do we could do we have better spaghetti no we don't have better spaghetti <laughs> okay that's i, I mean, just that's, was wondering if this see, is going to be deep and that's a no it's just the thing is that like duncan is operating on facts like, yes, yes they, they got great It's just pasta, crazy. They got they, that, but the, the, yeah. the, them trying to have this, like, pizza bread. Oh, we're better at pizza? Ridiculous. Oh, you put, you put the basil on the right piece of bread? It makes no sense. <laughs> like, anybody can make pizza. Get out of here. Yeah. This is, I, I, I got to tell you, fellas, this is exactly what I wanted out of this <laughs> That's why it's in. That's well, why it's in. Like, generally, I don't join in on those things, but when you come for America, that's where I get you upset. You got, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. This one's up your alley, though, uh, Smash. Man breaks Guinness World Record after eating 17 ghost peppers in one minute. That is a lot. That is, I I do like spicy food. I actually do like the flavor of a ghost pepper. I mean, it it is shocking. For those of you who we probably haven't talked about this before, Ashbrook is one of those people that you can literally put like a flaming on fire pepper and jam it down his throat and he just swallows it, no milk. Like it's no problem. Really, my kids tell you don't me. Even follow it up with. My, wow. My kids tell me that means that my taste buds are broken. Well, it has to mean that you have some dulling of something because they. I mean, literally, these are things that put people into a coma. I think it's tolerance. That's impressive. Well, so, you, so, like, it, it, my question about this is: so he eats seventeen. Is it just like, you know, it, like a lot of these competitive eating contests where it's like they're not really eating; it's basically just like inhaling. Yeah. The food, like, if you're just inhaling the pepper and not tasting it. I don't think that works ghost, with these, dude. That's ghost, what I'm wondering. Do they have to, like, chew? I've So ghost peppers are different. I mean, I, I do like the flavor of a ghost pepper, but you have to do it in moderation because even though I do like spicy foods, it is very, very hot. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you chop them up a little bit, put a few on a burger, it adds a great flavor. But 17 in a row, not only is your mouth on fire, but everything is on fire. Also, like it, it how do you not get a stomach ulcer from this? Well, well I, th- I think you're you're bound to unless I mean, you've like got a stomach uh, made of like iron. Yeah, your acidity must be like off the charts after this. Well, dude, so on my 21st birthday in Tempe, Arizona, I had uh, my boys brought me out to go, you know, do your 21 shots. That's the way we used to, it used to be American. I remember that. Right? Yeah. And so that's like what you would do. And somewhere halfway, you know, you get sort of... Uh, 
I would say um, you hit a dark place. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I know that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we went to this bar that they'd been saving because on the top shelf of this sucker there was this bottle all by itself, and it was like it hadn't been touched in a while. Oh boy! Right, and it's filled. It's like a it, it's like a yellowish liquid, uh-huh. but it's filled with peppers. And I, I don't know what kind of peppers, but it's certainly not like a jalapeno. Like yeah. these things have got, you know, they look the classic dried up, like look that you see with ghost peppers. It's like peppers from hell. And things like, like it's like a that. horrific thing. Yeah. And they're like, um, nobody's ever completed this shot. A, a shot of it? Yeah. Nobody's ever gotten it down and kept it down. Is it like infusing liquor or is it just like straight up pepper in pepper juice or whatever? Well, so what I came to find out is it is, it's like, it, it, I don't know, it's probably like Everclear or something <sighs> like that. That has been sitting in these peppers for years, years, and they take it down. I'm like, no problem, guys. I, can I mean, that. that is that is just like a two punch combo because you're getting you're getting the burn from the alcohol and then the burn from the pepper. Yeah, so I was probably halfway through my shot session. So I, I mean, I, that's a very mean move I, from your buddy. I grabbed the brutal. thing, I threw it down, I set it on the table, and I looked at the guy. I'm like, no problem. And then, like maybe. F- Three seconds later was the most intense pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I hate when that my happens. entire body felt like it was going to explode like the Hindenburg. <laughs> I mean, it was, it hurt so bad. Everything in my body, I thought I was going to die. And it was an involuntary, there was nothing you could do. Just blah, like it just came flying out of your body. Oh my God. It was horrific. I'm getting like PTSD. Do like you, held it, you held it down though? No, hell no. Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds. That no. sounds like a really tough situation. No, he said nobody's ever held it down. Nobody. I, that's still sitting at that bar on Mill Street, and it's probably still on the top rack. Nobody's gotten those things down. And don't take one if you're ever there. It's awful. Man, <laughs> we got to do a show in Arizona. I want to try it, man. I, I, I'm always with the like food. There's this place in, in Manhattan downtown called Brick Lane where they make it, – it, it, they, for a while, I don't know if it's still the case, consi- uh, said that it's like the hottest meal on earth that they make, this thing called Fall. And the the chefs, when they make it, they're putting in so many crazy different types of peppers, like ghost peppers and everything, <laughs> but they're, like, frying them up. So the guy's wearing a, an actual gas mask oh, back no. there, or else, like, it, I mean, it's, like, costly. Like, your eyes fall out. Yeah, it would, like, burn his lungs and shit when he's cooking this. Oh and then that's what they're feeding you, right? And it's, like, okay, if you finish it, they write your name on the wall. Oh, that's always a bad sign, yeah. right? If you get your name on a wall or a T-shirt. Yeah. Yay. But I love that stuff. You know, I love, I'm a glutton for that kind of like craziness. So builds, I went with a buddy. Builds camaraderie. Yeah. It does. And and so he tried the approach Fellowship, of like trying to eat it with like a spoon because it was like kind of like a soup. He tried oh eating it with like a God. spoon and like within seconds I saw his face turn completely red and sweating like his hair... Like he'd just come back from running two, three miles. Right? <laughs> and this is within 30 seconds. It's got him. I saw that and I just like, I was like, there's only one way through this. And I just like housed it. I just put it bowl straight up in the air. Took it down. Chugged the whole thing. But we were allowed to have a glass of milk. Okay. So while it was tough, like if if you can neutralize it with milk afterwards, that's the way. But Did you like, keep it down? I kept it down. Name on the wall. Names on the wall. Uh, is it Rick well Lane? Done, I'm still there. That's professional stuff. <laughs> if you're in, but if you're allowed to have the milk, apparently this yeah. guy, this guy here, didn't. Wow. Or like yogurt. Yeah, exactly. It kills it. The I name mean, on the wall was uncomfortably smoked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're in Tempe, Arizona, and Stegs and Biff, I'm talking to you in particular. If that place still exists, send the name. We're gonna take Smug there. Let's go. I gotta, I gotta see it happen. Uh, all right. So you wanted to hit this story. I, I didn't fully appreciate its import. 
until just a few moments ago, but it turns out China tops U.S. in quantity and quality of scientific papers. So this is the thing. So uh, Josh Krashauer put out this tweet, and it got on my radar that way. It says, Chinese research accounted for 27.2%, or 4,744 of the world's top 1% most cited papers, overtaking the U.S. at 24.9%. The U.K. came in third. So uh, this is very important. It might sound very boring, but this is important because this is a similar situation to what we saw with the WHO, where China exerts its influence for a very particular reason, control. So when they spent all that time essentially buying up the WHO, and they can get the WHO at the at the beginning of COVID to put out a statement saying that, oh, humans can't catch this. The World Health Organization put out that statement, and it's still up there, still yeah. up there on behalf of China, right? So now when you have every university on Earth now having these papers, which are put forward under the auspices of the Chinese Communist Party, right? Let's be real here. Mm-hmm. The Chinese Communist Party wants to exert global influence, and they've already shown they can do it with the WHO. They're already doing it economically, right? When they're using slave labor to undercut every country and, 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 and rip you know the labor force out of every nation. Now they also want to take it through academia. And so this is a very, very important thing to watch. Because academia is like, I mean, we've already seen the effects of what happens when... The wokeness. When we've got the, you know, domestic communists yep. taking over uh, education institutions in this country. Now letting a, a, a foreign and actually, you know, well-organized communist entity like China exert influence, it's horrific. It's something to keep your eye on. Yeah, it's it's all in that category, the Shinzu stuff of winning a war without violent firing a shot. There right? you go. I would love I to mean, know. I would love to know how many of these academics in in China who are publishing these papers were educated in our American universities. That's the other thing. That's the other thing. Perfect. You know question. That, that we and like, look, I'm all for opening up to the world, and we want the best and the brightest here in the United States. But like, there's a cost to it too. And I know, you know, we've had people on the program ex- express like a lot of um, worry about, you know, how we expose ourselves to China and their spy activities and their ultimate plans for dominating the world through our university system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's I, a very important thing. It really is. It really is. I'm going to switch topics real quick. There is one thing that has got China on its heels, fellas. Yeah. You know what it is? What's that? Macaque. <laughs> it's back. Are they in, Wait. Oh, wow. So it, you, you recall it was in China and they were everywhere. China and Japan and now it's in Singapore. And now it's in Singapore. So the macaques gone wild, uh, you'll recall, is the monkeys <laughs> that uh, have been dragging children around. Uh, there's videos this week of it. Targeting children and the elderly, which is just like, I mean, this is war crimes. I saw, dude, I saw, <laughs> I saw, I saw this macaque. I saw it roll up with a like a, a children's tricycle. It's like just walking with the tricycle up to the child and these two people, and presumably the child's parents, and like throw the, the, the tricycle in front of the child, and the child like goes to reach for the tricycle, and he grabs the kid's hand and drags it off. Wow. It's like, a, Wait, it's, like the, it's like the equivalent of a bait car that yeah. the cops might use. Yeah. Did the adults not do anything? I mean, the, the oh yeah, no, they got a, they got the kid back. Oh, like okay. they tackled the monkey. I oh, mean, that, but this was, oh my god, this dude, this was not this was not like a, it wasn't like a, a a gorilla. I mean, this was a relatively small, but bigger than the baby that was trying to take the tricycle. But, but it had a plan. Oh, that's my point. There's a smart macaque. The smart I, macaque. They, is, they've devised this, around the the traditional 
barriers that you have. This this article that, that McDaniel found is, is insane. So it says here, this is from Asia One, it says, imagine having a nice dinner with your family and from the corner of your eye, you see a monkey staring right at you, waiting for the opportunity to grab your meal and run. <laughs> That's what's been happening in Pungal Settlement where several dining establishments are located. A group of around 30 wild <laughs> macaques are regular patrons of the restaurants and shops there. So like... They're straight up calling them patrons. Patrons anyway. at this point. <laughs> that's that's where they go wrong. They they literally need to adopt the banana plant. <laughs> they need to adopt the banana please, plant. Please, the problem hey, will go for away. our new for our new listeners who may have maybe have not heard. Ashbrook, can you walk us through the banana plant? The banana plant is very simple. <laughs> you dig a, a hole, maybe in the shape of an Olympic sized swimming pool, very deep. You fill it with water, and then on top of the water, you place bananas. <laughs> from side to side so you can't see the water so the monkeys jump in to try to grab a banana and they slip under the water and they drown <laughs> it's, you, it's 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 sort of proof. like it's proof. it's sort of like those flowers it's not the venus flytrap but similar where they have a very slippery edge it's like a almost shaped like a tulip uh-huh. yeah maybe grease down the yeah, sides yeah yeah and and the f- flies will come in they try to get the nectar whatever insects and, and then they, they slip in slowly close and there's the... water inside and they drown you know what this is very similar to that I, I i would i'd improve on this you, you electrify it you could do that too you throw a hair dryer in that water because then you don't even have to wait for him to drown yeah. no reason not to electrify it. Or, one shot or dude. a toaster if you don't have a hair dryer and, and and to my <laughs> to my knowledge monkeys don't yet understand how electricity works so they'll see one of their compatriots get shocked and i was like oh maybe we should go help right oh. they send another team two more zapped right <laughs> this that, i mean because they're rolling in a gang of 30 mm-hmm. i bet i bet one banana trap with electricity gets them all i think you're right <laughs> folks in singapore if you're listening please write your lawmakers <laughs> <laughs> Something has to be done about macaque. Something's got to be done. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to play a game before we get to this interview. There's some consternation amongst the minions uh, about filing papers and whatnot. Uh, trying to and ins- right. I mean, and trying to instruct you, uh, judge and jury, about what we should do in playing the game. How do you feel about that? Okay. Um, well, I, I I saw this. Uh, Cert. It was a cert writ, I, I I believe, from the minions. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gone back to read it. Ha, ha, have y'all read this this thing? I did. I saw. I saw. Um, I have it pulled up here now. It says, "In the Supreme Court of the Minions, the Minions versus the Ruthless Podcast Variety Program, on a petition of writ of certiori. How do you say certiori? Certiori." And to the judge and jury of the Ruthless Variety program, a brief amicus of the minions in support of petitioner. Um, it says here, pursuant to our self-imposed authority and inherent awesomeness, we hereby demand that Comfortably Smug and Josh Holmes return to the long-standing legal practice of reading the date stamp, including the time of the tweet was posted of all tweets submitted for consideration in King of the Hill. Now, let me. Let I me, think this is a good idea. The date that. and time must be read aloud prior to reading the actual tweet. Now, uh, let me just say, I don't have any problem with that whatsoever, but I don't uh, purport to have authority here. I uh, you're, respect you're the authority defer, of defer. the judge and the jury on how they'd like to handle it. Yeah, I, I, I co on that. Can I just describe one thing for our audience? Maybe if you haven't seen this on Twitter yet, this is from Mira, a longtime friend of the program. And 
it is structured exactly like a writ of cert that you would see at the Supreme <laughs> Court. I, I, there was a lot of time that went into this. The document appears as authentic as you could possibly. Well, they also get. have supporting evidence in here. You know, they've they've gone they've gone uh, very far here, and I appreciate that. Um, you know what I want to attribute that to? I really think now that we have Chief Justice Clarence Thomas, he's really inspired the country. Yeah. Right? God bless him. Let's and God do bless the, the minions on Let's that. do it the right way. Exactly. It's got to be official. Right so, I mean, the, look, the reason why I haven't um, forced the contestants to, to do that is because I don't like to I, – I, I try not to interject – when you're in the process of, of reading one of the tweets, it would be like the judge stepping in during an attorney's closing argument. Sure. You know, I, I don't want to slow down your cadence. I don't want to slow down, you know, your your delivery or the argument you're going to make. I don't want you to lose your place. I'll voluntarily take it upon myself to to have that exact approach and read the date and timestamp. Well, I mean, that's that's one of my problems with this. My other problem with this is... I invented this game and it's art to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is we, ar- art to me and I own it. We may we may I very, like that, dude. We may very well be penalized by reading the time and the date in this court. Well, I, I, I'm not opposed to a punishment for reading a tweet that's out of what you're opposed to is order. anybody else suggesting that 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 they're going to change my art. Yeah, that okay. somehow they're going to change my art, dude, and I determine determine my game. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like what did Steve Jobs say? Like people don't know what they want until I give it to them. <laughs> that is this, that is this game. And I think like, you know, in 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 art in in art imperfection is perfection sometimes. I think back to one of my favorite songs of all time by the Smashing Pumpkins, the song called Mayonnaise. Right? Great when, song. When dude. when Billy Corgan wrote that song, they were bro- a broke band. He had this very cheap, I think, Fender guitar I, I think maybe it had an internal amp or internal speaker or maybe it was just a shitty guitar but when he played that song there would be a, a feedback mic feedback that would come this this sort of whine this wah, 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 mm-hmm. when they initially recorded the song and then they you know they obviously got huge with that album i think it was siamese dream anyway he didn't fucking change the song when they got famous <laughs> He didn't. He didn't take out the the wine from the guitar. They in fact built it into the song, even when they they mastered the song. And that's what King of the Hill is to me. It's art. It's imperfections. What make it great? And for that reason, we're not going to read the timestamps of the tweets. <laughs> Dude, the fact that you cited mayonnaise is so fire, man. I will say what you've uncovered by uh, for petitioning listeners of a certain age. Congratulations for listening to this episode because yeah, that's amazing. That that's fantastic. Thank you for the ruling. Uh, I'll proceed in any way. I'm gonna throw that album on after this show. Such a great album, Um, ladies and gentlemen. The judge and jury has spoken. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's head to the ring, huh, fellas? Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the blue corner, fighting out of ABC daytime, Alyssa the View Farah. And now, in the red corner, fighting out of his own Twitter account, and current champion of the world, Matthew Mailpattern Dowd. 
<laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to lead things off here unless you have a, a reason for me not to, Smug. No, go ahead. I mean, I'm still shook. Like, the fact that Duncan pulled mayonnaise like, on the spot, <laughs> yeah. dude, that is, I mean, that's how you know it's from the heart. A whole new appreciation. That's so fire. A whole so new, fire. This court stands in high order today. Um, all right, so this is doubt. I'm not going to read the times now. I previously had planned on it, but I'm not going to. I can assure you it's well within the confines of the okay. one-week window. Uh, many in the news media slash pundits have been wrong about many things. Wrong about how effective Afghanistan withdrawal was. Wrong about the ability of Biden to get legislation done. Wrong about the red wave this year's elections. Wrong about what really matters to voters. Wrong about Ukraine. <laughs> That's so fucking um, microwaved. Oh my God! That is the least microwave take of all time. That is so microwave. Think about what he packed into that shit. Literally last week he had the same Afghanistan thing. Yeah, but that's like, I just one the component. Was off Afghanistan. And he's got this literally recycled. No, he literally has, recycled. The he dude has might have just added, copy pasted that. He has added such beauty to the just the Afghanistan, which, by the way, in and of itself, every time it's mentioned, should be standout. But the fact that he goes into the not wrong about the red wave in elections. Wrong about what really matters to voters. See, the problem He's with Crane. The, the problem with doubt is sometimes yeah. less is more. Like he just he doesn't need to use every character possible to bore us to death with his microwave. Tapes. I don't believe that That's you need to give me a instruction microwave. on how to play my man. Yeah, yeah I'm, he's gonna lose. But I mean, continue, continue. No, no, you done. Go, you done. No, go right ahead. Let's hear what Alyssa Farah warmed over vanilla ice cream sounds like. <laughs> Alyssa Farah. Just over here being a rhino slash fake conservative slash sellout for thinking it was wrong when Hillary Clinton mishandled classified information and when Trump allegedly did. What a great take, given that only one person had the FBI kick down their doors. <laughs> Incredible take. Anyone know like uh, if, if one of Hillary Clinton's many houses have been raided? Did they blow up her safe? Right, she deleted I mean, thirty thousand no, emails. I know no one would go through her underwear drawer, like not even a demented FBI agent. Did anybody go to prison for the bleach bit? But I'm sort of confused. It's like is she trying to cover her tracks for being anti-Hillary on the classified information, which I think pretty much everybody she, was. I think right. trying to like hide her tracks is how she's trying to cash in on this. She's like, you know, uh, don't don't consider me a, a bad person you know dems please give me money the fact that she's out there being like oh yeah actually trump is bad but like there's video of her being like the first day i saw him was the best day of my life i loved it so much i was so happy i i thanked god that i could work for president trump and like how embarrassing how embarrassing that now you have to be like actually trump is the same as hillary <laughs> really? Like, is the money that good? See, see, this is, is the money that good? This is why we don't read the time I mean, stamps a lot of people, a lot of people get mad at me for saying this, but good for her. She married well. She doesn't need the money. Don't debase yourself. Not for that little, at least. <laughs> see, the whole wind-up. Oh, it's just incredible. The sales pitch has been fantastic <laughs> from Smug. I'm going to give you the opportunity, opposing counsel, to read again. I'm going to. Many in the news media slash pundits first of all it starts it starts with under the premise that the news media has been too tough on biden yeah right many in the news media slash pundits have been wrong about many things wrong about how effective afghanistan withdrawal was wrong about the ability of biden to get legislation done wrong about red wave this year in elections 
wrong about what really matters to voters. Wrong about Ukraine. Huh. I mean, unpacking that, first of all, the Afghanistan thing leads the way. We talked about that last week, so it's it's only part and parcel of what we've got here. But wrong about the red wave, again, it, there's zero indication that Democrats are having a good election. Wrong about what really matters to voters, Ukraine? What the fuck is that? <laughs> no, literally, what is that? Is he saying Ukraine matters to voters, or is Ukraine a separate thing that they were wrong about? It's unclear. No, it's unclear. Also, for to, as an add-on to mine, if if you wanted to, you know, mix this with a with a fire track debaser from the Pixies. Now that we've already thrown smashing pumpkins on <laughs> debaser, debaser, because like the fact that you have Alyssa Farah at this point trying to be like on video, being like. The day I started working for Trump's the best day of my life, Deep and then you compare it to being like, "Bingo, that's the song, dude." How yeah. h- how much are you gonna debase yourself for that for first that, slot on the view for that smug wins round one? Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! I can't believe it. Oh. I can't believe it. All right, go ahead. And here we go. It's just nonstop heat from this this broad. <laughs> Humbled and honored to join the view. This show paved the way for women of different backgrounds to speak up and speak out. It's been a tumultuous few years for me personally, but I'm grateful and thrilled to have found my voice and to represent my values at the iconic table. It's like, you know, it's really great that there's a show out there for all the wine moms who are hammered and just want to hear someone say, yes, queen, about Hillary Clinton. It matters so much to me. She's had a tough few years. She's had a tough few years. It's been a windy road. That's for sure. I, I'm just going to blow this. You know, blow it out of the water. Okay. I ask this to Republicans and supporters of Trump. Do you care at all that Hitler was is Trump's role model. Oh my God. Come on. <laughs> Good night. I mean, that's look, the, 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 that, that view tweet is, is, is incredible. I can hear debaser playing in my head. Yeah. The idea that she's had a tumultuous few years, like living a, a pretty well privileged life, uh, in light of what like average Americans have had to deal with is incredible. It cannot compete with that. I mean, that. that is just Holmes wins round two. Just absolute smoke. Um, okay. So the, for the final round, I will start with a misuse of the internet in that he has a tweet that he has quote tweeted. Okay. Okay. Uh, most people who navigate Twitter, you put a, you know, some kind of a chain together. Uh, not in this circumstance. He's going to quote t- tweet himself mere moments after he's tweeted uh, the first one. <laughs> His first tweet had dealt with, which is, I guess what I'm tr- what I'm struggling with is whether the first one or the, they're both just fucking bangers. Um, it doesn't matter, dude. And I know why you're struggling because I got a nuke right here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the first one because it, it 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 we covered it in the program earlier about what Democrats are doing to people okay i've said this before and it bears repeating gop leaders have zero respect or care for their voters they lie to them they vote against policy that would help them and they repeat the some slogans thinking their voters are so stupid they will just eat it up regardless (laughs) and that's the quote tweet or is that the original tweet? original that's the original wait so 
So weak. Really? That's it? Can I go now? No. Like, that's it? No, dude. That's not weak. If you consider what's happening today. That's it? With the Democrats dude, and what I'm, Matthew Dowd and everything is doing. The, the, the lie. Accusing Republicans of lying. Let me know when I can go. It's tough lying. selling this, but like, I mean, I'll let you try and sell that. But like, man, I got this. There is nothing. There is nothing that we can't all agree on that the bald-faced lies that are coming out of the Biden administration on day-to-day basis that this guy is the megaphone for. Right. Trying to project that onto Republicans? Holy smokes. Okay. All right, this is from uh, Alyssa. The inflammatory rhetoric coming from some on the right this evening is frightening. Elected officials need to tone down the rhetoric and let the facts play out. In this environment, words matter so much. And the beauty of this misuse of the internet is, in this environment, words matter so much, she turns off replies. <laughs> I love when people turn off replies. They know what's happening. Like, look at the quote retweets. I He's am got in, a thousand quote retweets like, just I, bombing her. I am infallible. Yeah. In this environment, words matter so much unless you disagree. But, yeah. I, but here, here's the thing. When you are a CNN personality that she's become and refashioned herself to a ABC, The View... This is like the most microwave thing. It's like what I call like the David Gergen approach. Yeah, can, you, can you name another person who said that words matter so much and then turned off replies? <laughs> I mean, no, that I mean, is unique. It, it's a good. It's these a are good these answer. are the these are the same. This, dude. These really are the same genre of tweet. It's it's fascinating that you both played these these last. Um, so it there is to Holmes's point, sort of like a tone police quality to this stuff. This is like barrel the back content for like former Republicans who now want to turn coat and get a regular spot at the view and talk about how the Republicans are just going too oh, far. Let's this just time. be reasonable. Why can't we just be reasonable and thoughtful about all these things? The thing I think you undersold Holmes in your tweet. And I think there's some limits there because there's the quote tweet and you don't know which one you're going to read. But in the one you did read, he said it bears repeating. I've said it before <laughs> and it bears repeating. Apparently, it bears repeating again so much that he quote tweeted himself to do it again. To do it again, <laughs> it bears repeating twice, which is like an underappreciated part of the misuse of the internet. There, one thing I want to add to the to the hilarity of of, of this Alyssa Farah tragedy of the, a tweet is so she turns off replies. You know that whole setting that when people try to hide of like except for people who follow me or like except people I follow. She's dumb enough to still follow uh, Dana Lesh, who replied to her more or less inflammatory than some of the offenses perpetuated upon the American people by the very agencies they're criticizing. Iris targeting, FBI abuses, FISA abuses. So she gets owned. Hell yeah. Even though Hell she, yeah. there was one reply. Uh, oh, her, she, she got one, one in? She, one person got in there. <laughs> one person got in there. I mean, a hilarious cell phone. That is just that. like amazing, amazing. The oh, debasement, dude. This is this is, <laughs> this is the dramatic end scene in the courtroom where the double doors in the back open up and there's a surprise <laughs> witness. That witness is Dana Lash. Dana Lash comes in for the dunk. For that reason, smug words. go. I actually appreciate it. I gotta tell you, I felt like I had the tweets to win here. The Hitler one is like a generational. Yeah, that tweet. is. That is. I mean, he earned that win. But he earned that round. The the I didn't see Dana Lash coming in at the end, and for that reason, I humbly concede that that is a that is a winning tweet. <laughs> All right, what guys. What a game! What a game! What a game! What a judge and jury. Uh, we have to proceed to our interview with the absolutely incredible Senator Tim Scott. I want to welcome him to the program somebody we've had as a guest before, but he's one of my favorite 
guys in the United States Senate, you know, maybe well beyond that, honestly. He's written an incredible book that everybody ought to go out and buy. I'm about halfway through it, and it is a it is a moving, moving memoir. It's called America, A Redemption Story. Senator Tim Scott. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Frankly, it's good to be in the studio. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean this, this is, is awesome. much better than the Zoom, the, the crackly Zoom that we ended up. <laughs> We're a semi-professional operation. <laughs> this is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Life, there is life after the Senate. This is good to see. <laughs> yeah, no. yes. No. Yes. And it is a bit of a redemption story as well. <laughs> Certainly far more relaxed and probably hopefully more lucrative, I hope, because well, I'm thinking you know, about that. We're so. working on that. Yes, we're sir. working on that. But uh, listen, let's start with your book. Um, I've known you for a while, known your story for a while. Um, you're one of the most genuine people I know. But when I started reading through this book, it struck me as it had to have been an incredibly emotional experience to put these words on paper. Yeah, Josh, there's no doubt. I, I struggled with a lot of the book, to be honest with you. To be that transparent and vulnerable is not necessarily the most natural place to find myself, but I thought it was important because so much of our country right now is struggling over an identity crisis, it feels like. The polarization is just, part of it is manufactured. I think the national media has learned very quickly that you can monetize conflict Polarization helps that profit margin a lot, I think. But in the other lane, there's this whole question about do we actually do better together? Mm -hmm. And my life story is, in fact, the answer is emphatically yes, that I was blessed by a guy named Dr. Monty S. Harrington, uh, who was an orthodontist. And when I was in high school, guys... I had two front teeth that didn't like each other. And it, was, it was quite unattractive and, and almost offensive when I looked in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? It's like one tooth was going to the left, the other tooth was going to the right. And I was like, I want to ask her out, but my nickname was Teat. <laughs> my friends were not smart, so they didn't know teeth was the actual word. They yeah. just called me T E E T. Not 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 many people have fond memories of their orthodontist. Right. So I'm very excited for where this goes. Yes. What do they say? You can you can eat a corn on the cob through a picket fence. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, uh, and and so literally, this guy named Dr. Harrington shows up, and I, I walk about a mile and a half to his office. I'm 19 years old. I'm a sophomore in college. I We could never afford braces. I would never have asked my mother for that kind of money. And I walk into this guy's office and he just looks at me and says, wow, I can help you. And I was like, I bet you, (laughs) the air blowing through my teeth, I bet you can. And and literally he, he takes, has mercy on me, but he asked me a very important question. He says, how much can you afford? Because whatever your answer is, you better pay it. And no insurance, just mercy. Wow. I said, 40 bucks a month. He said, pay it. And he went to work immediately. Wow. And the guy happened to be a white guy. And I say that because in the current environment, we hear so much about how one side are a bunch of racists, the other sides are a bunch of victims, one side are oppressors. Nothing is further from the truth in America. The truth is, this is 1984. Right. And people of good conscience who can, they just do. Hmm. He didn't treat me like I was some charity case. He didn't disrespect me or didn't make me wait longer. I didn't get the last bit of braces. He treated me with tremendous respect. Mm -hmm. And I walked into his office a second time, my shoulders back, my head held high, because he treated me like an individual that had value. 
Yeah. I wish our country, especially those who don't believe in our country, would take the time to look around and tell the real story, both sides of the ledger. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man, that's an incredibly powerful story. You start with a, a forward and and then your first chapter talking about your dad yeah. and less Oof. early lessons that you learned there and your parents' marriage, how that affected you, his background. Yes. That's got to be tough. No, I, I don't talk about my father publicly a lot because we didn't have a good relationship and growing up it was painful and miserable in so many ways. And when they got divorced, I remember... Uh, sitting on the side of the couch, almost like on the, literally on the side of the couch, and thinking to myself, you know, what can I give up to keep my family together? Mm. If I gave up, am I asking for too much for Christmas, or is it my birthday presents? Just the roughest experience a child could ever have. Terrible. And moving back into my grandparents' house from a military base into a little house with just you know, 700 square feet, my grandparents in one room, my mother, my brother, and, and, and I would share a room and a bed for a few years. And my esteem, I bet, dropped 70%. Yeah. My view of the world was crushed. Uh, my hero was away, and I would not live with him for the rest of my life. Right. That had an, a real negative impact on my way of seeing the country and the world and myself. And right. I, I became angry and disillusioned and I started drifting in the wrong direction. One of the reasons why I nearly failed out of high school as a freshman, when you fail Spanish and English in the freshman year, <laughs> no one calls you bilingual, okay? They don't, they, they just call you by ignorant because you can't speak any language. You know, and, and if you ever wonder if God has a sense of humor, <laughs> I felt civics. <laughs> oh, that is good. The study of politics. I mean, that's, that's good. My goodness gracious. So I know God has a sense of humor. I know that the humor is, is good for the soul. But I also know that at that point in my life, I did not realize the amazing birthright mm. of American citizenship that I was given. And one of the reasons why this, the book is called America, A Redemption Story is because in this country, that second chance that I received is only available in countries like this. And there aren't many of us. So right. I think actually... I think we're the only one like this. That my story ends up in the United States Senate is nearly an impossibility. It's not even a dream you would have as a kid. <laughs> you know, you might maybe dream of becoming a city council member if you're lucky, if you like politics. Right. Mayor, if you're going to be punished by God. But literally, <laughs> or school board, even worse. But literally, to find myself as a United States senator in the place where the Civil War started in right. Charleston, South Carolina, having won a congressional seat against Strom Thurmond's son, mm -hmm. to ask ourselves, is America a racist country? Right. The, um, <laughs> the American people in the Deep South had the greatest evolution of the Southern heart that allowed them to judge me based on the content of my character and not the color of my skin. So for me to come to any other conclusion would be outside of my mind, which is politically, Irrational, right. mm. just not possible. And so what I hope people learn or discern from reading the book, I hope they enjoy the stories, but I hope they have confidence in the American dream, and I hope they have confidence in their fellow Americans. There are a few bad people, nine or 10 of them yeah. around the country. They move around a lot, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. But the truth is, for the most part, most people will give you the shirt off your back Yeah. if they're back, if, 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 you, if you ask for it. Mm -hmm. So I... I would definitely consider you a happy warrior, you know. Yes. And and you know the message of this book, I think, is 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 a positive one. Obviously, I'm curious in 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 meeting with voters, 
in this moment in politics, which is an angry moment. Yes. How do you reconcile those two things? And in those conversations when people are angry or disillusioned or lacking hope, you know, how, you know, how do you inspire them with this personal story that you have here in this book to see a future for a redemption for America? Well, one of the things I think is so important as 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 I chronicle in the book is that I am a happy war. I believe that the best is yet to come. I'm an optimistic person, but if you if you run afoul of my mama, I'm gonna take you out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so yeah. let's just not forget that I, yeah, I don't am, confuse you uh, for softness. Exactly. <laughs> the Bible tells me that humility is harnessed power. Mm. So my my responsibility is to be a humble person, hopefully. So I like to harness the power I have, but there are times when you have to let it out. One of the ways I, I see that happening in my life is that recently at a, at a banking committee hearing where Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, says to, to me, of all people, that sometimes it's better for African-American poor women to have abortions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean. I was stunned. That's and so I stunning. asked her to compl- explain herself, and she repeated what she said. She kind of doubled down on it. And I said, you know what? I was raised by a single mother in poverty, and I thank God Almighty that she didn't have an abortion. And frankly, I'm offended by the fact that you think that the best predicament for a young, poor African-American woman is to have an abortion in order to increase our labor force participation rate. And that is, is she, unbelievable. Is she the, she's the Treasury Secretary? Treasury Secretary. That's a, I mean, talk about being out of your lane. <laughs> Now we know what the definition of creep is. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And so I'm finding myself in this in this in this hearing, stunned by the stupidity of really smart people. Oh man! Uh, or think when I, I have uh, four uh, presidents or CEOs of the biggest banks in the country. Oh, I love when the, I know where you're going with this. And I, I asked this. a question about the Georgia law, voting law, that they had all signed Goldman Sachs, Bank yeah. of America, Wells Fargo, <laughs> and one other. I said, Why, what were you all opposed to? Tell, explain to me a part of the law that you disagree with. And they were like, <laughs> and for those of you who can't see my face, they said nothing for like 90 seconds, and I did not interrupt their nothing. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be happy, and sometimes you have to be a warrior. Yeah. Other times you can be a happy warrior. Right. But when it's time to be a warrior, I will go to fight for this country and for the American dream, because if we don't preserve it, there's no other hope in a country on earth. We are the city on the hill. We are the beacon in the midst of the storm. And if we lose our compass, we lose our way, there's no help coming. And so I think that you can't just be happy. Sometimes you have to just be the warrior on behalf of the things you believe in and the people you'll defend. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Well, and you've lived the life. Right, you have the you have the credibility to talk about this. I mean, you know, right off the top, you talk about your dad driving in the car. Yes, right. Yes, and and him becoming emotional, trying to tell you about how terrifying it was to drive out of town. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you think back to my grandfather's life, born in 1921 in a very small rural southern town called Sally, and just the humiliation and the disrespect. For that came with ordinary daily life for mm-hmm. a man who was afraid of driving through small towns because in those days pulling a black man over was no big deal and being beaten was 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 not against the law to have him sitting in that car sharing the story of his life sharing the story of 
his fear and experience and, and seeing the indignity on his face, seeing the humiliation on his face, but yet hearing him say words that should not have been the final part of that, that, that chapter, so to speak. Don't get bitter. Never be anybody's victim. Mm-hmm. You can be a victim or you can be victorious. You can't be both. I refuse to be a victim. And he taught me that as an early kid, especially as a kid. And one of the reasons why, Josh and I think about this, one of the reasons why that was such an important story is because as a kid growing up in a single parent household, I didn't think about that literally until now. I think he knew almost unconsciously that I would face more struggle. Mm-hmm. I'd have more challenges. I'd have more questions about who I am mm-hmm. and what I can do. And in his own small way, wow, this is so awesome to, to think this through with you. He was saying, not an option. Yeah. yeah. If I option. could do this, you can do <clears throat> Absolutely. If I could whatever. survive 1921 in <laughs> Sally, South Carolina as a black man, where picking cotton was my existence as a young kid, and my grandson gets to pick a seat in Congress. Yeah. If that's the America that is going to be, I'm going to make sure that I preserve the right to tell you to shut up, son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay in your lane, dude. Yeah. Next, and work hard and get lucky. Next time you think about feeling sorry for yourself, right? Remember, art is where. Yeah. Well, well none, none of that can be can be true, as I recall. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Washington Post did a long fact check of your life, your, pri- your, your privileged life, sort of questioning this whole backstory and, and everything that you've overcome. Yeah. I'm curious, like, when you read that, how did you react? Rage. Yeah. You would have said, I thought that dude was a happy warrior. He was not a happy warrior. <laughs> I, I, was, I was, the word starts with a P and ends in a D. It's <laughs> in the middle of it. So I, I was so incensed because I don't mind you stabbing a, me in the chest or in the back, but when you start going after my family, family. You've, you've, you've crossed a line that you will not cross twice. Well, so I have, yeah. a, th- I have a theory about this, and I think for um, the liberal media and, and this sort of new academic world of everything is a critical theory, whether it's critical race theory or everything, people are oppressors or the oppressed, they need those stories to be impossible. Absolutely. They need your story to be absolutely impossible. 100%. I think one of the most dangerous positions on earth today, or at least in America, is a conservative who happens to be black. Because the caricature that they make of you on MSNBC or some of these very liberal elite stations yeah. is, is such so damaging to the kid who wants to grow up and think totally. for themselves? They want indoctrination yeah. to be complete before you have a chance to come to the conclusion. I'm a conservative, and I'm proud to be a conservative. What they want is antithetical to what we need well, as a nation. Because they only have the answers if your life is out of your control. Exactly. Well, the the, the concept of centralized control that creates a caste system right. is worse worse for the people living in marginalized communities. The last place you want to be in a caste system is at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And you get frozen there in their approach to centralized control. Why bother to think for yourself if I'm going to give you just enough to live on your own, but never enough to succeed on your own? Right. I believe that America is about winners and losers. Sometimes I've lost, but it's led to my greatest gains. Mm -hmm. There has to be the ability to lose for there to be the opportunity to win. And what they're trying to do is fix the game and eliminate one major part of it. That's impossible. Those who come to that conclusion are literally selling their kids or their grandkids or their communities a bill of goods that will never happen. Yeah, totally. One of the most remarkable traits about you, and I think it's, it's rooted in your faith, 
but you talk about it throughout the book is this grace and being able to forgive. Yes. Right. And and come the experiences that you have been a part of that you know irritate you, anger you. Um, even you, how you dealt with your father and knowing his background as a black Vietnam vet and, helped a lot, and the PS, PTSD and everything that was associated with that, that you're able to sort of condense all of that and find grace and forgiveness is really an amazing thing. Well, thank you. I, I will say it took me a long time to get there, a couple of decades, but the truth is that I have learned as I've grown older and looking back at my own life and seeing how messy my life is, that we ought to give the same deference to others that we want to give to ourselves yeah. or that we want to expect for ourselves. But the truth is that a, a life has two sides of the ledger. Some, some of it's good, some of it's bad. And if I am the recipient of the bad part of your ledger, I'm going to judge you harshly. And I did it with my father for a long time. I just literally saw his inconsistency or his inabilities as such a negative thing that weighed on my shoulders that I just couldn't see him in the same light of forgiveness. And unmerited favor is grace. And so once I heard his story, writing the book, it was the first time I heard. Is that right? It was the first time I ever heard of of his altercation uh, and five against two and being chased and, and having to fight for his life and cutting a guy. I hadn't heard that before because he never talked about that era of his life. Hmm. And as he says, as he said to me then was the anger and the fear that he poured stuff on top of literally changed his view of the of the world. He became angry and the place that the anger took was taken out on was at home. And mm-hmm. the good news is he never hit me. There's lots of, or, or my family that we, that I know, of, just verbal abuse and the challenges and the, the, the negativity wore thin very quickly, six or seven years, um, and probably longer than I know. But the truth is that even my father is a good man today in a way that I did not understand before. And if we judge people on their, on their worst day, we're mm-hmm. probably doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, it's a hell of a perspective to have as somebody who's in the middle of the United States Senate at this particular moment in time, right? Because judgment seems to be basically surrounding you and your work on a daily basis. It's guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that whoever the other side is, they have determined that you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent. And that's part of the, the bigotry of the left today, in my opinion. Not only does it have to do with the fact that I'm a conservative Republican who happens to be black, but, the, but, but whenever you don't fit into their paradigm, whenever you don't fit into one of their little categories, the tribal nature of America isn't true. The tribal nature of the left is true. They literally have a category for everyone, and if you don't fit into your category and stay in your category, then promotion doesn't come. Mm-hmm. I find that to be offensive as an American because America is all about you, the individual, is the greatest minority in the country. So setting you free is our goal. Mm-hmm. Not doing that is to be uh, is the antithesis of what it means to be an American. And one of the reasons that we struggled early in our in our history was because of our original sin of slavery. So we fought a civil war where four percent of American men died, six hundred thousand mm-hmm. people died over the issue of captivity and over the issue of freedom. Thank God we had that altercation that set us free and redeemed us in part Mm -hmm. from our original sin. But if we don't tell that part of the story that redemption did come, we miss the very point of what it means to be an American. It doesn't mean being perfect. It means having the opportunity to make up for what goes wrong in your life or in your country. That's a good thing. Well, that means a perspective that is just so welcomed because there's so much negativity 
so much of it rooted in identity yes and pushed by the left exclusively that you can or cannot succeed based on where you come from and what you look like and you need us to help you out and the funny thing is if i'm not sure have we ever had an african-american president i can't remember <laughs> or a vice president or uh, or chief of staff of the military american express the former ceo Ken Shaw, Ken Shaw, Ken Shaw. Give, give me a second give me a second give me a second um, it's there somewhere okay so the the the, the secretary of, of, of defense right. yeah <laughs> Wasn't there a four-star general, first four-star general in the history of the Marines, African-American? Th- yeah, weird, right? Uh, I, huh. This success must be an aberration. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's just thousands of them, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and, and I know that there are no black billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, can we do better? Of course we can. Are we doing better? Duh. That's spelled yeah. D-U-H, by the way, just yeah. in case you're wondering. Literally, we should celebrate the entire ledger. And if we don't, we are confining some people in this country to a pl- prism of the view of the world being too narrow. Mm-hmm. I think poor kids that are growing up like I did when I was a poor kid 50 years ago, see what it feels like, they have more opportunities today than I had then. They're likely twice as smart, if not four times smart. Not, I mean, comparatively to you, they're just probably as smart. Compared to Mizuki to me, they're a lot smarter. Not, they're not in high school. I can, almost, I can almost, disabuse almost. you yeah. very much smarter than I am. So literally, the, I mean, I, and I'm taking too long on this point, and I, I realize that, but the truth is that America, a story of redemption, is about a second chance. I got one academically. Uh, a guy who didn't have to help me afford braces, my mentors, both black and white, saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. I've lost a political race. I had a slow start in business. But at the same time, I was able to buy my mom a house because of the mm-hmm. business success that I had, not because of my football prowess, which I thought I was going to be able to, but <laughs> actually everybody else disagreed with me. I'm not sure why. But, but, <laughs> but so, so, or, or, or the fact that when you lose a race and you're out of politics for a little while, it's a painful, miserable experience. I got a second chance. The voters said, let's give them a second chance. Yeah. And that's, I don't know how you live the life I've lived and not A, turn out to be an optimist, B, defend America with all your might, and C, believe in the power of the individual. Yeah, well, gosh, it's really well said. I think what's different about you, which I, you're gonna find amazing when you, when you hear this, but not only do you sort of keep striving forward and fulfill dreams that you couldn't have even fathomed mm-hmm. when you were a child, but you've also served as a mentor to literally hundreds of people like you from backgrounds like you, young black men and women who have conservative views that wanted to become a part of the process and were told forever that they couldn't. Yes. Right? Yes. We've had, I think we've had five or six different candidates on this show. To a person, everyone says, oh, Tim Scott? You're talking about Tim Scott? Wow. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's the guy that let us no, we could do this. That's I mean, amazing. that's amazing, right? That's a blessing from God. Truly is. And, and it humbles me. I will say that I thank God for Jack Kemp, who taught me that being a bleeding heart, comma, conservative was cool. Mm-hmm. I thank God for someone like Jack Kemp, who literally infused or embedded in my political DNA through a distance, from a distance, this notion that you could be a happy warrior or you could just be happy or you could be a warrior. I thank God for the Ronald Reagan revolution. You gotta remember, I was, when I went in high school, 
Carter was the president. Yeah. Maybe that's why I failed four subjects my freshman year. I was like, what in the world is inflation? It's killing us, you know? <clears throat> but Reagan comes along, and this Reagan, Re the Reagan revolution happens as I'm coming of age, and I start believing that all things are possible, and then I become a Christian, and I understand all things are possible. And then I start experiencing the goodness of Americans who believed in me, not because of my color of my skin, but I was literally a down and out kid. They saw potential and they helped bring me up. Mm -hmm. If that can happen for me, yeah, and it's happening for millions of people across this country, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your gender, no matter your, your, your background, why aren't we celebrating that? Why aren't we spending more time talking about the greatness of the American dream to set captives free? And sometimes the place of captivity is your own imagination. Mm. And if you are captive in your own imagination, there's no nation on earth that can set you free. Ugh. But if, I can, if, you, if you could find freedom in your imagination, there's no nation on earth that can hold you back. Maybe that's why nine million people from Africa are trying to get to America to call it home. Yeah. It's not because we're a racist country. It's because we are the land of opportunity. And I get a little excited, I like to preach. Hallelujah. Oh, I but, love it. But it's, it's just what I believe in. It's, it's what I've experienced. And factually, it leads us to the same conclusion. Hmm. That the reason why we are the most compassionate country on earth with more immigrants calling America home is because the land of opportunity is something you yearn for all across this world. That's why we have to fix our back door of immigration mm -hmm. and improve our front door. It, it's why we have to say to poor kids and poor zip codes that educational choice yes. is, is, is for you. It's why we have to say that lowering taxes so that entrepreneurs start in the poorest neighborhoods in rural America is incredibly important. Oh man, it's just, it's so well said. You're, you're the absolute best at, at painting that picture. One of the pictures you painted, however, uh, took me back a little bit. And you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I apologize to a Minnesota fan, a Vikings fan, upfront and personal. <laughs> it's hurtful. You may have a colleague that's responsible for the success of the 90s uh, for the Cowboys, and it came at my expense in Herschel Walker. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to that 13. Oh, thank let, let, let us stop and just pray. Lord, <laughs> thank you for the Herschel Walker trade that led to two Super Bowls. No doubt, God, I know that we don't have to pray about those things that have already happened, but I just want to once again say thank you for 13 <laughs> players and the Minnesota Vikings. May they be blessed in a generation that I'm not a part of. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't even take one, but he's now he's going to take two shots in my yeah. hide with no, this no, thing no. because he's got the Drew Pearson catch. Oh, man. In my book, literally, in, in my, my book, America Redemption Story, I'm standing outside on one of the pages crying my eyes out because the Vikings are about to beat us. Yeah. And then the miracle catch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I listen. I grew up with this. This is something my dad talked about. And well, you tell them daily. what happens. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. Let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. I still think he pushed off. I'm not saying what happened. I'm just saying how it happened. <laughs> Actually, you're saying how it happened. I'm saying what happened. Yeah. Well, whatever it was, it cursed the Vikings as they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. I think you guys had what, four shots at winning the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. No, you're going to go there too. No, no. I'm just saying that you guys were a very good team. One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, besides Roger Stop back is Fran Tarkenton. Yeah. I mean, Fran was the great scrambler. This yeah. guy was, uh, uh, wasn't the tallest quarterback, 
but he was accurate on the run, and he pierced more darkness on the football field than the law allows. And I hated watching him scramble because I was like, oh my God, get him, get him, get him. And then we didn't. I threw my football down. I walked outside and I said, it's over. (laughs) I have uh, similar feelings once every about five, six years with the Vikings and my entire 43 years on this planet. So I I, I identify, but I can't identify with actually coming down with the ball and going to the Super Bowl and all that. So, you know, thank you for that little vignette. Sorry. sorry, (laughs) Really appreciate that. I just was trying to sell the book, you know, the the part in the book of the Hail Mary and (laughs) Roger Stavak and... He may be listening to your show. On, he's, I'm sure he's a fan of the show, and so I wanted Roger to know. God bless you, Roger. Thank you very much. Grace once again. Yes. Yeah. Unmerited uh, favor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I better stop. I better stop. <laughs> so, all right. So, first of all, everybody's got to go out and buy this book. It will uplift your view of America. It will give you confidence that we're heading in the right place. Before I let you out of here, yes. i got to get some thoughts on the election that's coming up. You yourself are doing a ton of good work to try to get more Senate Republican colleagues across this country. Thank you. I I will say that we need a majority. There's no doubt that elections have consequences. And whether you're thinking about Herschel Walker in Georgia, Ted Budd in North Carolina, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, J.D. Vance in Ohio, there's no doubt that Adam Laxalt in Nevada, we have really strong Tiffany Smiley in Washington State, I think has a a real legitimate shot. We have to win. Yeah. And we have to win the majority. The American people deserve better governing. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And you actually put the, your money where your mouth is. This is not, not every senator does this. In fact, practically nobody does. But <laughs> I was watching, you know, I, like always in politics, right? Yes. So I, I watch the, the buys as they come in, right? right? We have an alert system when they come in, when anybody places a buy anywhere in the uh, country yes, for yes. or against any candidate. And I just keep seeing these Tim Scott pack buys coming up in one place or another trying to help our folks out. I think we have to win. Listen, the American dream is alive, it is healthy, but it needs a little push in the right direction. The Biden administration has decimated hopes and dreams around the country in a way that is going to be measured over over a decade, I'm afraid. Think about the inflationary effect. 9.1 last month is down to 8.7. This month, down to 8.7. Yeah, right. It was 2% under (laughs) President Trump. So we should not be celebrating a a four-tenths of a drop, although I will say that the reason for the drop is driven by the economy slowing down. The economy slows down, gas prices drop because demand drops. What you really want is the Inflationary effects have dropped because supply goes up, which would mean energy production here at home. But the president is, I guess, inconsistent with reality and wants to figure out which uh, which, which uh, dictator to go to next. <laughs> yeah, I was just right. going to say. Was it Russia? No, not Russia. Iran? No, no. Saudi Arabia? I don't know what he's doing. But well, we can, get the, we can get the batteries from China, too. Yeah. Don't forget that. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yes. They had good work on yes. that last week. Yes, let's make sure that Made in China 2025 becomes a reality. Yeah. I mean, why not do it at home? Yeah, And that's one of the things that's so frustrating. One of the reasons why I think the story of America is more important today than it has been in a very long time, because the story is that we're doing really well. But in order for us to continue in the right direction, we're going to have to win elections. We're going to have to win the House back in and bring oversight over many facets of, of the federal government. And at the same time, we need to win the Senate back so that we, the Human Resource Department for the country, yeah. with all the appointments that we do, that we get more conservative, more centrist people coming before our committees, or we should just say no. And we'd have the power to say no if we had a majority. 
really important time in American Super history. Super important for everything from the judicial branch to every single confirmable position in the federal government. It brings some accountability with it. And we desperately need it. You can look at just this past Monday to see the importance of accountability no and oversight. I think the fact of the matter is when you see something so unprecedented as that raid was, that you have to speak out on behalf of justice. Mm-hmm. And you should put, you should think of a lady justice with a blindfold and apply justice equally, not to your friends, right, but to the American people. No matter their previous office, no matter their, their, their plight, we need to be consistent with the application of justice in this country if we are in fact to continue seeing the American dream expand and opportunities expand or frankly even explode in the right direction. Right. I wish I could have Tim Scott here for like four hours I know. because I my, the trajectory of my week. I feel better about my day. I feel better about everything. <laughs> yeah. Right? I do. It's America, a redemption story by Senator Tim Scott. Senator, if people want to follow along on your political work that you're up to, is there a website or something? Yeah, you can go to votetimscott.com to keep up with who we are or what we're doing or timscottbooks.com to make a purchase order today. Yes. Today. Right. Today. I said today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Senator Scott, thank you for joining us thank you so much god bless y'all you listen to this guy's story and you think about how humble he is and how he is just full of grace and his ability to try to inspire people despite the fact that he's the target of the left just by virtue of his own existence it's just it's it's incredible i like the part and, you know, in, I asked this question sort of for this reason, because I, you know, what I asked him was like in a, an angry moment in politics, like, how can you be a happy warrior? And I like the way he explained it, which is like, look, basically, like you can be a happy warrior without being a pushover. Yeah. Like, you know, when to still be a warrior. Warrior is still what you part believe. of that happy right. part. Right. Yeah. You know what? Real quick. I want to share. I have a, I have a Tim Scott story. Oh, lovely. So I was in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, attending a Trump rally. This is like weeks before COVID hits, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 rolling up. Tim Scott is there, uh, and he's shaking hands with everybody, making everyone feel like they're special. Very listening to guy. anything anyone has to say, yeah. right? Some someone can be like, "The price of stamps is too expensive." The guy will spend ten minutes, and he'll listen to you talking about like the price of stamps, right? And then the rally, you know, gets underway. It's electric. Everyone's having a great time. President Trump acknowledges Tim Scott. And he's, he points out, he's like, uh, Tim's guest here tonight with him is his mother. Oh, yeah. 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 That says a lot about someone. When they're like, you know, if family is that important that they're like, I've got a huge moment. I'm going to get recognized by the President of the United States. And you want your mom there. Huge. Yeah. Huge. It says th- a lot about the character of a person. Well, the thing about Tim Scott is that he's never forgotten where he's come from, which is what makes him so effective. Yeah. You know, and no matter what the Washington Post or anybody else says about him, he knows he knows exactly where he's come from. He takes that with him every day. I love him to death. I'm glad he's doing what he's doing, and he's got a great book out that I've read. That's honestly, it's a it's an emotional book. Yeah, uh, I think we did it, fellas. I mean, I have to be completely honest, if I can be honest. Absolute <laughs> banger of an episode, gentlemen. Oh yeah, you're thank, known for your honesty. Yeah, thank you so much, Senator Tim Scott. Thank you so much to our listeners, to all the Minions. Thank you so very much. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the lids. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.